You are about to listen to a message from David Bendet, Senior Pastor of Rock City Church in beautiful Corpus Christi, Texas. David's desire is to see people lit on fire by God's love, His Word, and His presence. So prepare yourself to be inspired by the wind and the Word, and get fired up about what God's doing today. Today I want to preach to you my most favorite message in the entire world, and it's all about becoming something. When you think about becoming something, what do you think about? Now, just keep it simple. Most people, if I said, what do you want to become? They'd say, well, I want to be a, and they usually tell me a career, a doctor or a lawyer or whatever, a great missionary, a minister, a pastor, whatever it is. I want to become something. I said, well, what do you want to do with your life? Well, I want to, I want to do, and you fill in the blank. I want, to, I want to lay hands on the sick and cast out demons. I want to make a lot of money so I can give it back to the kingdom. I want to, I hear all kinds of things about what people want to do. But you're never going to be able to do anything until you become something. If you want to see it, you've got to be it. If you want to see it, you've got to be it. Now, my life vision is this, to successfully lead others to become or I'm sorry, to experience an abundant life, happy, healthy, and free through Jesus Christ. It's so simple. Now, you can't, I can't show somebody how to live abundantly unless what? I'm living abundantly. Now, that doesn't mean perfect and without any challenges and problems and troubles. Jesus said, in this world you'll have trouble, but take heart because he's overcome the world. I don't always treat my wife the way that I should. It doesn't mean I yell and cuss at her, but I get selfish sometimes, and she has to remind me many times I'm not single anymore. Because I lived 40 years single. When you get married and you have kids, you realize nothing is about you. Just die and just lay your whole life down because you're not going to get sleep. So just forget about it. <laughs> At least in the, in the first few years. <clears throat> when I was at this conference, I sat on the panel with Misty Edwards, and a question came up and said, if you could tell yourself one thing 10 years ago, what would you say? Well, of course, you think, you think, well, I'm going to tell myself what I know now. Hindsight's 2020. And I said, well, no, I really wouldn't change anything that happened because as hard as it all was, it made me to be the man I am today. I'd love to go back and say, well, I wish this, 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 and this. But then none of it would have orchestrated me to hear. So I thought, well, what's one thing I'd say? And it would be just die now. <laughs> it doesn't mean it'll change the process, but what it does mean, it'll make your process a lot easier. Because if this is about you and your identity and your career and all your own things of what you're going to do, Jesus said, if you love your life, you'll lose it. But if you hate it, you'll find it. So just die now. Everybody say, just die now. If you could get that in your mind, it'll make your process a lot easier. Because I don't know what the next 10 years holds for me. But here's what I know. As long as I lay my life down and take up my cross and deny myself and follow him, it's all going to work out for his glory. And that's what I want more than anything. I want that more than anything, and that's what I want for you. So my favorite message in the entire world, if there's one thing I'd ever want to preach more than anything, it would be your identity in Christ and who you are in him. Now, as our church is growing, we're only three and a half years into this. I feel like it's only been a couple, couple years. In fact, really, it feels like only a couple months. And I look around, and I see a full church, and I see so many new people that haven't gone to church before or have been disoriented with church and didn't go to church for a long time, or started hunting for something more, and walked in here and, and went, wow. Or came in and went, oh my gosh, what's happening to me? 
and the Lord undoes you and then speaks to you and you make a decision to stay and you're not even sure why. There can be all kinds of reasons why you're still here. But what I have to do is make sure that we don't just keep progressing onto something else without keeping the main thing the main thing. And you don't, ever get, you don't ever leave the elementary principles and foundations and the most important things. Now, Hebrews 6 says to progress. Everybody say progress. Yeah. Now, when I have you say things, it's because I'm keeping you interactive because I can't have a sleepy service today. I need you guys engaged and fired up, okay? Yeah. The other thing you have to know is when I tell you concepts or Greek words, I'm half Greek. I like to do that because I've always wanted to learn Greek. My mom didn't teach me when I was young, which I wish she would have, but that's okay because I'm learning it now. Every word has its foundation in Greek. That's right. <laughs> Telephone, telegraph, tele-Greek. <laughs> and so... <laughs> So I teach you concepts and understanding so that when you walk out these doors, you'll be more on fire than when you came in here. I teach you things for you to grow, not just to get a good message. Go, wow, that was awesome. Yeah, right back to my old ways. I've got to snap you out of your thinking and get you to believe for more and the more that God has in store. And I also have to consistently, as a pastor, bring us back to the beginning. Because it's easy to keep wanting to progress, 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 and then I go into you know, tasting the powers of the world to come, enlightenment, all these supernatural things that God wants, all the power, all the stuff, all the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But yet I have so many different age groups and new people that are coming in here that I consistently have to go back to the beginning of what this is about. And I talk all the time about hearing God's voice. And, and even though I talk about sonship, would you believe I haven't really done a sonship series or teaching in several years? Now, last week I talked about identity discovered, and I believe that Jesus had to learn obedience and he had to discover who he was. It doesn't mean he wasn't always the son of God. He always was, but he was still a baby. And what does a baby have to do? Can I hold him for a second? What does this little boy have to do? Does he fully know who he is right now? Does he fully know who he is? Yes or no? The answer is no. Does he have to learn? Now imagine Jesus as a little baby. Did, did Jesus have to learn? Some of you still have Jesus stuck in a little seven-pound baby boy. This is how you see Jesus right here, a little baby in a manger. But Jesus would have to grow in wisdom and stature. Jesus at 12 would make a discovery. Jesus at 12 would, would, would really get the revelation of his father, but probably all along the way, even since he was young, he was understanding. You know why? Because he never sinned. But it doesn't mean he always knew. He had to grow into it. He had to be commissioned at his baptism. When the Holy Spirit came down upon him and he came out of the water and he was enlightened and he saw and he heard and he understood. And then John the Baptist heralds, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Suddenly, it's public promotion. Jesus became. Now, to become something has several connotations and understanding in the way it was written in the Bible. To become something is the concept of, of I'm going to grow and keep growing. It's the concept of I'm married, and I get all the benefits of being married to my wife, Amber. Everything that she is and has to offer me, I get. And I need it all, trust me. I need it all. Really, I need it all. 
To become something is the idea that when I get married to Christ, everything that, that the Lord has, he gives to me. This is the concept in the Greek of becoming. I'm going to show it to you in Scripture. Another understanding of becoming something means that I ordain you to be publicly published. It means that I mark you for a purpose, and that purpose is for everybody to know and see what I've done inside of you. It doesn't mean you become a Christian to hide out in a closet and have your nice private little faith. It means that you become something. Nor does it mean you try to make yourself something and go stand on a street corner on a milk soapbox with a bullhorn and tell everybody they're going to hell. It doesn't mean that you have to make yourself because he makes you. He makes you. You don't make you. He makes you. Now, I trust him along the way, but I say, Lord, make me to be everything that you want me to be. I want to become everything that you have in store for me. So pull up John chapter 1, and we're going to start with verse 11. Jesus comes as a man to earth to his own people. Everybody say his own people. And they reject him. So he gets rejected by his own family. Now, who rejected Christ? Everybody ultimately rejected Christ. Hence, he had to die on the cross. Now, he had some disciples, but in order for people to fully become born again and for this to spread like wildfire all over the world, he'd have to give his life on the cross. But he was rejected by his own. His own people from the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, even Noah and Adam and Eve, all the way through the Hebrew line, his own Jewish people that had his covenant law, that experienced him on the mountain, experienced him in the wilderness, experienced the the, the the freedom from Egypt, all the way from the descendants, all the way to the time Jesus came, here he comes, and they reject him. But there's good news in that, because through their rejection, the cross came. Because the Bible says that had they known who Jesus really was, had the Jews really known, they wouldn't have crucified him. And had he not been crucified, guess what? None of us would be here today. You wouldn't be sitting in that seat. You couldn't even call yourself a Christian. The cross had to happen so that we could be here today. Now, something shifts, and it's verse 12. To everyone that receives him, he gives the right. As many as receive, everybody say receive. Receive. Follow me today because these words will stick with you. As many as received him, he gave the right to become the children of God to those who believe in his name. So we say, I receive and I believe. Now, thank you. Yeah. You guys are catching on. So to believe is a lot more than I just believe in Jesus. To believe means that I believe, adhere, want to be like, accept everything he represents, and I want to become like him. And whatever he tells me to do is what I want to do. Believe is a lot more than I believe there's a universe. Believe would be to study it, study the stars, study everything that God has created a lot more and believe it's out there. Now I can look up at the stars and believe it's there. But this is something that becomes me. It's much more than the universe or the sea or anything else that you see in creation. To believe means that I become it and I adhere to it. How many people do you know that claim to be Christians? I believe and I believe in forgiveness. Toke it up, drink it up, party it up all the time because there's forgiveness and they lay claim, but there's no evidence and fruit in their life. And if there's no evidence and there's no fruit, there's something missing and it's called the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to show it to you today. (coughs) Thank you. 
In a world of being politically correct, in a world of PC, we don't want to tell anybody that they don't know Jesus and they're not born again, but the Bible says that, and the Bible says that not everybody is his. Now, can I see God in everybody? You bet. Can I look out and see a homeless person, a hurting person, a sick person, anybody, anywhere? And I see God in every person. I can see the Lord, his DNA, and the fact that all creation, well, not all creation, but all his people were created originally in image and likeness. But I've teached how there's a difference between image and likeness. Images, I look, I may look like him in the sense of we have his DNA as people, as humans, but likeness, likeness means I've taken on his nature and I sound like him. So what we have is a lot of image and not a lot of likeness. And what God wants to do is make us like him. And you know how he makes us like him? Not through conformity to religion, but by changing you on the inside and making you into something, namely, his children. So look at the scripture. When we receive him, he gives the right. Now, we're going to camp on this for a moment. We're going to camp on this scripture for a little bit. The right, also in the Greek, is actually the word power. It's the word exousia. The King James Version of the Bible says he gives the power to become. Or he gives you the right. And let me tell you why it's, two different, it's said two different ways, okay? The word for power here is the word exousia. It's different than dynamite power. It's different than explosive, laying hands on the sick, power, miraculous, supernatural power. This is delegated influence, superhuman strength because of the authority that God has given you. This is jurisdiction. Let me help you understand jurisdiction. A Corpus Christi police officer, and maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think so, is, can't just hightail it up to Austin and pull, start pulling people over and writing tickets. That's not their jurisdiction. Same with Port A and other things. Now, there's different jurisdictions. You have highway patrol. You have the, the city police. You have all these things. They have different jurisdictions. But for those that become Christians and born again, you get a worldwide jurisdiction of delegated influence to become something. Now, follow me on this. This isn't about your delegated influence to just work the miraculous. This isn't about just your ability to overcome drug addiction. This isn't just about your ability to lead thousands of people to the Lord. That's awesome. And he wants confidence in your life to do it. But look at the scripture. He gives you exousia to become something. Because you can't do anything else until you get this. And what you've got is a world of Christians functioning out of out of things they think they are going to do out of religious motives and wrong intentions or dutiful understanding because the church has often taught you become a sinner to a saint and a saint to a worker. And what God wants you to understand is identity and sonship first because the first thing you get, notice what the scripture doesn't say. It doesn't say if you receive him, you're going to get power to conquer the world and Land, do all this supernatural stuff and have a great career and make a lot of money and blah. What God wants for you first and foremost is that you understand what it means to be a child of God. So the word exousia comes from a word existi. It's kind of like existence. Your existence is in him. But let me tell you what this word means. The root word of exousia is the word that means I have a lawful right to represent him publicly. 
I have a lawful right to represent God publicly. The devil can try to tell me, make me self-conscious, tell me I'm no good, tell me I'm a failure. But when you understand this scripture, everything changes. You are a son. And when I walk into you, when you walk into your office building, Billy, to work, to do construction, when you meet anyone anywhere, any of you, if you catch what I'm telling you to do, then you understand I have a law, I have been, been given an ambassador right as a son. And everything I do comes from that place. Because when you know who you are, you do what you do confidently. Because everything comes from identity. That's why we teach you aren't what you do. You do what you are. Why do I pastor? Because I love people so much and God set me free. I got rescued by a daddy. I became a son. And now I want you to know this, how awesome this is. Yeah. Woo! Yeah! yeah! And I'm fired up about it. Yeah. I see sons and daughters. I don't see, oh man, you're a sinner. Oh, look at you. I'm going to shake that sin right out. You're such a failure. You're such a script. No, I see what you be, be, can become, which is why Jesus died on the cross. Because he, he looked down and said, man, I got all these orphans. The whole world's got orphaned. So here I come to rescue them and make them sons. You were an orphan. You were an orphan. You were an orphan. You were an orphan. So let's talk more about becoming. The first meaning of becoming the right to become. The first meaning is to arise and be assembled. Everybody say arise and be put together or assembled. So what he does is he takes your brokenness, your failures, your sins, everything that was about you, all your brokenness, he causes you to rise up and then he puts you together. And I got a newsflash for you. He doesn't take the put together to the put together. And if you can't realize and understand every one of us were broken Every one of us needed reassembly. Every one of us went astray because of the garden and because of the sin of Adam. Every one of us needed to be put back together. It doesn't matter if you have a testimony like mine. Only Jesus was born without sin. Only Jesus was born of a virgin. Hence, like David said in Psalm 51, I was conceived in sin. David, when he's talking about his sin to God with Bathsheba and Uriah, says, he's reasoning with the Lord. He says, look, Lord, my parents conceived me in sin. Have mercy upon me. And the Lord says, I'm going to have mercy upon you. And so you understand that God wants you to prop up, arise, and reassemble you. So everybody say, reassemble me, Lord. Reassemble me. All right, that's the first thing of becoming. The next thing of becoming is marriage. It's the exact concept and same word for marriage. So you could say it this way. He gave the right to get married to God. It may sound strange to you, but it shouldn't. He's the bride, groom, and we're the bride. Yeah. We're in an intimate, loving relationship. And he loves me. He's my best friend. He's my savior. He's my, my counselor. He's wonderful. He's the almighty father. He's the mighty God. And he's also the bridegroom. Those are all identities of God. And if I can grasp those understandings for myself, it changes me because now I know who he is and who I am. My favorite all-time prayer that should never get old to you is, Lord, show me who you are and show me who I am. So let's say it together. Say, Lord, show me who you are and show me who I am. You can't move past the main thing. You got to have the main thing, the main thing. So to become means, again, that I get married and every benefit that comes with them, I get. And it also means that I get ordained. So I got a newsflash for you. 
You can go to Bible college if you want to really learn a lot more about the Bible, or you can also read your Bible every day sitting by the water and get to know Him and get to know the Holy Spirit and get some spiritual parents in your life and be discipled. Do I think you should go to Bible college? Most of the time, no. About 99% of the time. Is there a reason, purpose for Bible college? Yes, but you better pick the right one. You better go where they teach sons and daughters and nature and character and identity, not just try to get you through seminary so that you can go be an ordained minister. I don't even have to ordain you. You know why? When you get born again, you get ordained. Be free. Be free. Be free. Hope. Be free. You are anointed and appointed by God. You just don't know it yet. Because you've been taught, you better measure up, you better jump through all the hoops, you better make sure. Look, you study to show yourself approved to who? The scripture says. And then you know how you step into the more promotion comes from the Lord. You're faithful with a little and he gives you more. If you just want to get ordained so you can take a little old church in Kansas somewhere, have fun. You can have the best church in the best little city and not know who you are. And if you're not teaching that to the other people, because this isn't about my ministry calling, it's about who I am. And out of who I am comes, where did all this come from? What? What in the world? A shopping center? A family? Babies? What? Because the promises of God are descendants and territory. I'll take you all the way back to the covenant. There's an anointing on that. Are you guys fired up in the back? You guys fired up back there? Yeah! Woo! Man, right from the valley to the mountaintop. Oh, we're still on this scripture. So when you receive and when you believe, which means I fully adhere to and accept who, that, who he is and I want him to be like me, it's a lot more than just, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I believe in Jesus. It's I want to be his disciple. Jesus is Lord. He's my master. I'm his bondservant. So the Bible says that when you get born again, you become prisoners. Not prisoners, again, to fear, but prisoners of love. And it's way better than a Dawkins song. Some of you know from the 80s. Yeah, that's, anyway, yeah, they sang a song, Prisoner of Love, but that was bondage love. This is freedom love. Hey, there's still some 80s in me. Come on, guys. I, I, I know where I came from. <laughs> oh, man. So first thing, when you receive and you believe, you get a right, you get power, you get exousia, And that first thing that God wants for you is to understand your identity and who you are as a son. Everything comes from sonship. Now, think about this. God is love, right? We say it all the time. Well, God is the ultimate of love. Well, love is an action, and love requires commitment. So the Lord paid the first price, and he fully committed all by going to the cross. He loved you first. We don't love him. We love him because he loved us first, right? So he came first. He gave his life on the cross. It's finished. He's already paid the price. He's already done it. He's already kept covenant, and he's fully faithful to who he is. So the Lord, because he is love, is always keeping covenant 
from his end towards you. But in a marriage, it requires a commitment. In love, there is action and commitment. Hence, I'm not single anymore. Hence, when my little girl falls out of bed at 3 o'clock in the morning and scares me because I hear a big thud and screaming from the other room, I don't go, oh, man, I'm too tired to get up. No, you don't get to do that. You, and my wife does, but I run to the other room. <clears throat> That's right. She was screaming for me. But the premise is, is that you understand in marriage, it's 100% death both, both ways. So it's not about you. It's about what God wants to do through you for everyone else and who he's making you to become. And so there's got to be requirement. There's got to be onus upon yourself to be obedient to the covenant of the promise because of love and because of marriage and because of identity. Not because you have to or he's going to kill you, but because I love my wife so much. And what I want more than anything is her to be happy and to rejoice in our marriage and in the Lord and in our children And in turn, that fuels the fire for me. And whatever she wants to do, she gets to do. And whatever God's called me to do, I get to do because there's strength and stability here. We're not perfect. We've only been married almost five years. But you know what? We're in this constant process of learning. And then God uses children and kids and all this stuff to crucify yourself so that you can represent and love more like him because that's what the picture of marriage on earth should be. And if you're single... If anybody's single here, the Bible says that when you're single, you're fully devoted to the things of the Lord. He's your bridegroom. He's your husband. He's your maker. And he is your everything and your number one. And then when God says you're ready, he brings you your spouse. It's what he did for Adam in the garden. Woman was the only one that was not created from the ground. But rather from a rib from the side of Abraham. I'm sorry, the side of Adam. And then in turn, the understanding of one flesh came. So God, can God create, if you're single, can God create your spouse for you? Does God know what you need more than anything? Yes, but you better get the main thing, the main thing. Because this isn't about your companion and walking side by side and having more sex. I'm telling you, all that stuff's not as much as you think it is at five years into marriage. Especially when your wife's pregnant, I'm just saying. Come on, guys, that was funny. We cannot, we don't have to be so religious here. You'll edit that out. Thank you. Edit that out of the message. You need to become fully satisfied in Christ right now. And you're only going to be able to be fully satisfied when you know who you are and when you understand exousia, the legal right and representation of a son. And it's out of your identity as a child of God that I do everything else. Because you can't fake child of God. I can fake the talk, talk Christianese. I can probably read the Bible and preach the best. But nature is what's revealed publicly. And you can tell when somebody's really passionate in who they are in Christ. And I want so much for you to have what I have. Because it's been so awesome. But I have a responsibility. So let's look at Romans chapter 8. And we're going to start at verse 5. And we're just going to go through some of these scriptures together. And then I'm going to pray for any of you. Let me tell you how you know when you're not a son. You know when you're not a son or a daughter when the Holy Spirit is not bearing witness with you 
that you are. And I'm going to show it to you in Scripture. Okay? True sons are ultimately led by the Spirit, not by their natural, not by the human nature. So I want you to take human nature out of your vernacular. If you say, I'm just human, problem.com. I mean, you can go ahead and blame that, but that's not, the, you don't blame responsibility on the fact that you're just human. You take responsibility to say that maybe my human nature is getting in the way of the God nature and I'm not being spirit-led and I want to be. So I'm really, really sorry you get convicted by the Lord and you're quick to repent, you're quick to ask for forgiveness, and you're understanding that God, does want, that God wants you to be led by the Spirit, not led by your flesh. Now, flesh, I just happen to remember this word. I don't know why. Maybe it's because the way it's spelled. But the word for flesh in the Greek is the word sarx, S-A-R-X. It's, and I just remember it, maybe because it sounds like something else. I don't know. But I think of flesh. I think of, of old nature, who I used to be. I think of an understanding of this is not who I once was, nor what I want to be. And so it says, if anybody lives according to the flesh which means the stripped away skin, the, the animal nature of who I used to be or human nature and the passions that come from the lust of the flesh. That's what flesh means. It's the same word as carnal. And it, literally, if you look up word carnal, it's where we get this understanding of flesh. And the word carnal is where we get the word carnivore. Hence, meat eater, animal nature. Now, when we talk about being spirit-led, I'm going to give you another way to understand spirit-led. Another word for led is the word governed. It means I'm governed by the Lord. So the government of Christ and the lordship of Christ in my life leads me in the direction that I'm supposed to go. It means spirit-led. And true sons are led by the Holy Spirit. Let's read. Those who live according to the flesh or the sarks or the animal nature or the human nature, what you do is you set your mind on the things of the flesh. So when you are living according to the desires of your flesh and not God's desires, then suddenly it consumes you mentally and it becomes you. But those who live according to the Spirit do what? So now all you got to do is say, here's how easy this is. Lord, I receive, I believe, I want to be born again, not of blood and not of flesh and not of my own will. I want to be born of God. So I get born again. I receive, I believe, I get born again. So all what we just read in John 1. And then now we come to this place and say, I don't want to live according to my human nature anymore, my mind, my intellect, my flesh, and all the lusts thereof. So if you, were, if you were hooked on porn or still struggling with porn, then you understand that what God does is he now says, live according to my spirit, and I'm going to show you in a minute, where he gives life to your mortal body. Yeah. God gives you physical strength to say no, and you don't have to live it anymore because it's not who you become. You don't have to go to run to drugs and alcohol anymore. Now there's a process of becoming. So when I gave my life to Jesus... I didn't know any better. I didn't have a rock city, and I didn't have any of you. I had no one. I came straight out of prison into Miami, Florida, not knowing one Christian. Not one. And so I had to, I had to take what God had deposited inside of me 
And I had to learn. And all my old friends, all my deadhead friends, all my old drug dealers were all calling me. These were the only people I knew. I didn't have any friends. And I didn't fully understand what it means. Hence, I had to discover. And so when I hung out with my friends and they said, hey, I'm forgiven too. Come on. Bong hit. Party. Disco night. Club. Dance. All those things. Disco night was going on back then. I mean, it was shakeyourbooty.com. I'm just telling you right now. Oh, there was no .com. That's right. There was no .com back then. We had a lot of disco. That's right. And so, so I said, okay, well, you know, I know the Lord forgives. And then when I did it, I would be convicted, which I'd never felt a conviction before. I didn't know conviction. Because before I came to Christ, I did whatever I wanted and never felt convicted. But now that I had truly surrendered my life, when I did something I wasn't supposed to do that was contrary to his will, which is sin, here's the simplicity of sin. What is sin? Anything that you're not supposed to be doing that the Lord tells you. Sin is not being spirit-led. Sin is missing the mark. The premise of sin is I'm an archer that instead of hitting the bullseye, I have totally missed. It's to miss the mark. How do you know when you miss the mark? Well, the Bible gives you a lot of examples, and I could give you a whole list too, but if I can get you to be spirit-led, I can fix a sin issue in your life. If I can get you to hear the voice of the Lord and know he loves you, if I can get you to understand sonship, you won't want to run to those drugs because you'll be satisfied on the inside, and then you get a family. Because when you get born again, suddenly you step into a worldwide family of God. And guess what? You're not alone anymore. You don't have to walk it alone anymore. You're in a family. He sets the lonely in families. He sets the isolated in families. He makes the fatherless to have a father. Am I spitting on you right now? Okay, good. It's anointed spray if I am, trust me. You guys are good back there, all right? You're good back there. So when you live according to the flesh, your mind, suddenly your mind is set to the flesh. That's why you've got to sow to the spirit. We don't just come to church a couple times a week, but we go to as many things as we can and we pursue the Lord every day and we start listening to worship music instead of the other things that we used to do because when I sow to the spirit, I reap from the spirit and I understand that. Hence, when you live according to the spirit, your mind is set on things spirit. Verse 6. We're going to go through these scriptures quickly. I know this Really well. It's one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible. So to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So here's another way to say it. To be governed by my flesh and my intellect will lead me to death, and that can be walking death right now. Take my words. Some of you feel dead right now on the inside. There's no life of Christ. You're not fired up, passionate, excited. And I see people everywhere, out there, outside, everywhere I go. I see people dead, and I just want to resurrect them, okay? So I understand this. So to be carnally minded or governed by the flesh or the human nature, you'll die. But if you're spiritually minded, everybody say spiritually minded. Now, I often teach that spiritual, to be spiritual means to be wind-driven. It means to be inspired by the breath of God. It's pneumatikos. But actually, if you look at the very core root of what spiritually means, it means non-carnal. (laughs) it means that I'm not living according to my human nature and to my fleshly desires anymore. 
So to be spiritually minded, how many of you want life and peace? Now, would you agree with the statement, most people are looking for life and peace? And if they can't find peace, what often brings people peace when they can't find it? Drugs, alcohol, sex, pornography, all the things we see in the world. Okay, And then what that does is there's patterns in the Bible that says that when I don't have peace and when I don't have love, you can read Ephesians chapter 4, I become like a transient in my mind. And then my mind gets darkened and my heart gets hard. I've taught on this before. This is the process of mental illness. This is the process of hard-heartedness and bitterness and anger that causes somebody to want to go into a nightclub and shoot everybody up. I guarantee you. The core root was isolation, dissatisfaction, lack of true love, lack of understanding who he, who, who he really was. And then, I be, then as my heart gets hard and my mind gets darkened, I now hate you. And especially if you think that you're happy. And especially if I don't like what you're doing. And when I don't like you and when I don't like what you're doing, I become the justice bearer. Gay or not gay, that's not the issue. The point is, the world is full of sin. The world doesn't know Christ. Does it, heterosexual club, gay club, doesn't matter to me. Sin, at the end of the day, will kill you. Okay? I want everybody to come to know Christ. Do I believe some sins are worse than others? You bet. But what I want you to know is everything that that killer stood for and everything you see from the Oregon shooting to all the other mass murders you see, these people get darkened in their mind, their hearts become petrified, and when I have a hard heart, I could care less what you think. And then I don't value life anymore. And when I don't value life, guess what? I don't care if I die. And if I don't care if I die, guess what? I don't care if you die. But this is everything opposite of what Christianity and Jesus Christ stands for. And I will publicly herald this on the rooftops and the mountaintops. Because I love everyone. I can see the person in the darkest of sin, even contrary to God's word and what he would want, and love them with, a, with an incredible love, so much so that I'd lay my life, because Jesus died for everyone. Yeah. Everyone. Yeah. Everyone means everyone. Yeah. There is a more excellent way. When I see somebody hooked on drugs and alcohol or walking in sin, I don't slap them left, slap them right, and say, what's the matter with you? Get my Bible out and whack you. <laughs> Tell you how broken and screwed up you are. I see with telescopic vision the way that God sees because he had to have seen something great to die on that cross. So we want life and peace, but true life and peace comes from identity as the son. Next verse, and being spirit-led. Verse 7, because the carnal mind or the mind governed by the flesh is enmity. Everybody say enmity. Enmity is a word that means it's opposing and hates. I, it means it opposes and hates everything against God. So I can't expect somebody that, that, that isn't a son and isn't born again to just have what I have. So what I have to show them is that they don't have to oppose what God stands for. They don't have to have hatred towards what God stands for. And I can only do that by showing them myself. Because you are, you are, to some people, you'll be the only Jesus that they see. They'll look at you and you'll be a representative because when you get born again, what happens is he ordains you and publicly promotes you. Then you have a legal, lawful right to represent him in, publicly, in public. And then what happens is, is 
The devil comes along and says, okay, well, you may believe that, but if you don't say it right and you don't do it right, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna keep them from God. Don't put that pressure on you. God is a great big God. Yeah. And so the enmity, the carnal mind's enmity, it opposes, and it's not subject to the law, nor can it be. So, you, so when you say to yourself, I don't see how somebody can do that, here's how. If they're not born again, they're going to do things that are contrary to the law of God. Next verse. Those who are in the flesh can't please God. So those are, who are in the sarks or human nature, hence I've said to you, we don't throw out intellect. It's the intellect that God gave you that you'll have inventions, that you'll create. He gives you the ability to, gain, to obtain wealth. It's the creative side of God and the intellectual side that God instills inside of you that causes you to do supernatural things. But if, that's, if it's ruling from a flesh standpoint, the human nature, the intellect is ruling you, then what happens is, is you can't please God. So you got to repent and say, I don't want to be like that, God. I want to be spirit-led. I want to hear your voice. Hence, for the last two and a half years, I've taught almost consistently on hearing God's voice. But now God said, now I want you to take, you, take everybody back to sonship. And we're going to focus on sonship for a while. Next verse, as the Lord leads. You guys doing okay? Yeah. I'm going to go just a couple more minutes, and then we're going to pray for you. I really am almost done. Next verse. You're not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Now, Paul is talking to Christians. So if you've gotten born again, I can look at you and say, you're not in the flesh anymore. Was Paul was talking to the entire Roman church at the time. I don't know how many people it was, but he was talking to a group of people and says, you're not in the flesh anymore, you're in the spirit. If, everybody say if. There's a big if here, if the Spirit of God dwells in you, because anybody that does not have the Spirit of Christ is not his. So this answers that not everybody is a child of God. I know we, we want to say that, guys, it's, but you've got to understand, everybody is orphaned until they get born again. Orphan means you don't have a dad. And you don't get all the benefits and the rights of sonship. I was orphaned. And some of you have come in to know Jesus Christ and you've come here, you've gotten born again, and you've said yes, but you're still living like you're an orphan. Come on, man. No more orphan mentalities. No more living like an orphan. You're sons and daughters of the living God. You have a rightful inheritance. You have exousia. You are ordained. You get the benefits of marriage. You have delegated influence. You're ambassadors. Now let's start living like that. Verse 10. If Christ is in you, the body's dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. So when Christ is in you, now the sinful man is dead, but suddenly I become into right standing with Christ because of the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of me. So put off the old man. Stop living like the old Jew. Lay that person down. That, that body, the body is dead because you can't have a sinful flesh living with the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit comes, that it dies, now the Spirit brings life and puts me in righteousness, right standing with God. Next verse. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to what? Which is What? That's your flesh. So the Lord comes and gives your mortal body strength. How? By the Holy Spirit. So how can you overcome sin patterns and addictions and struggles? You do it by being born again, receiving, believing, born again, and then learning what it means to be spirit-led and that the Holy Spirit dwells inside of me. 
So we're always looking for God to show up elsewhere, but where's the Holy Spirit? Dwelling inside of you when you get born again. Verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. So you're in debt. You're bondservants. You're prisoners, not to the flesh anymore. Not to live according to human nature anymore. Verse 13. For if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if the Spirit is put... But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you're going to live. Verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So to truly, the Holy Spirit wants to lead you, and when you're led by the Holy Spirit, you are a son of God. Next verse. You didn't receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Now, Abba, Father, let me tell you what this looks like. Stand up, Jeff. This is my friend, Jeff Pankman. I really like him. I think his wife's pretty cool, and I like all their kids. He's got a trampoline in the backyard, and he's got a fun play set. And it's just, I mean, when you go over to their house, it's like party time. Maybe not all the time. I don't see right before bed, but it's fun. Now, later today, I'm just going to go over to the Pankman household, I'm going to enter the code or I'm going to jump the fence. And I'm going to walk in the house and say, hey, man, what's up, everybody? I'm going to open up the fridge. I'm going to make myself some food. I'm going to take a quick shower, and I'm going to kick back on the couch and see what's happening. <clears throat> now, Jeff would probably be, be okay with that. Go ahead and sit down. He'd probably be okay with that, and so would so many of you because we're, we're family here. But the premise is, is I'm a pankman. The premise is, is I don't have to ask permission now. I just get to come in the door and I get to eat and I get to partake of all the benefits of being in the family. Abba is a term of endearment that means I am now part of the family and everything that you have I get. So now you can say to the Lord, everything you have I get. But you didn't call me to go back to the way I was, which was a bondage of fear. I'm telling you, the 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 root of almost everything that happens that's dysfunctional is fear. So much of it. So he didn't call you back to fear. Now, when you have little children, fear is always trying to knock on your door. Man, we've had random sicknesses. We've had a few nights in the hospital. I got babies falling out of bed. I'm hearing thumps in the other room. From little cuts and scratches to, you know, who knows? You guys, some of us have been through all kinds of stuff. But the point is, is the opportunity to fear is always around. In fact, listen to the news. If you start listening for fear, most of the news is fear-mongering. Because there'd be no news if I didn't get you captivated that something's going to happen. Stock markets are going to crash. The world's, I mean, we, how many things of fear? I mean, let's take it back to 1999. And we're going to live like it's 1999. Prince is dead, everybody. We're moving on from 1999, okay? And we're not going to be afraid. You can't live a life in fear. God's not given you a spirit of fear, but he's given you a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. And so when fear tries to knock on my door, which it does, and it, especially for a mom, man, it's the worst feeling when you see certain things happen to your children or when you're reading the, listening to the news, all these other things. I said, God's not getting... God's not called me to fear. I'm a son. And I remind myself who I am. And I never forget 
And when I preach to somebody or I share the love of God with somebody or I'm talking to somebody or somebody's sick, somebody's hurting and I'm praying for somebody, I pray out of full faith because I know who I am in Christ. And I can love you because of the way he loved me. And now I can cry out, Abba, Father, verse 16. Next verse. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. How do you know you're going to heaven? How do you know you're born again? Because the Holy Spirit. Something's happening to you. So if any of you comes up to me and says, man, Pastor, I'm really struggling with this, but I don't want to, Holy Spirit's working in your life. I say, you got to give your life to Jesus. You say, okay. Next thing you know, the Holy Spirit comes into you, and now you have conviction. Now when you do something you shouldn't do, the Holy Spirit's pulling on you to not do it, and that's the sign of sonship because the Bible says in Hebrews 11, um, let's see, uh, Hebrews 12, that if you're not being disciplined by God, you're illegitimate. So how do you know when you're a son? The Holy Spirit's bringing conviction, and now I'm being disciplined. I'm in a constant life of discipline. When I do something I shouldn't do at home, or I don't love my wife the way that I should, or whatever it is, and I use that as an example because that's one of the, where the main areas that God's fine-tuning me, I'm convicted by the Holy Spirit, and I'm quick to repent, and I want to do the right thing. Next verse. And if you're children, then you're heirs. Everybody say heirs. Heirs. heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Let me tell you what that means. It means everything that was given to Jesus is given to us. Jesus said, greater works will you do than I did. So now I have a rightful inheritance. So whatever Jesus did, I get to do. I, whatever he did. It's not my ambition to walk on water. I don't even think that the walking on water was the premise of you can walk on water. I think it was the premise that in every storm of life, Jesus will be there and you can walk on water. Keep your eyes on him because he'll cause you to rise above it. So I don't go out to the beach. I don't test God today. Let's see. I'm surely going to sink. Okay. The premise is, is that what he did, I can do. I can take bread and multiply it to feed thousands and thousands of people. I can take a little and make it into a lot. I can cast out demons. I can see you set free through his power in my life from nightmares and drug addiction and alcoholism and pornography and fighting with your spouse and dysfunction and fear and all these things. We have the ability as sons and daughters to pull people up and out of it. So if you're a child, then you're an heir. It means that you get an inheritance not just when you die, but when you die here. Meaning, I die to self. Not just when I'm going to the grave. This is an inheritance you get to take now. Woo! Yeah! Are you guys fired up? Wow. I'm just kidding. But there's another catch. There's one more if that I want to bring you to, and the if is if you suffer with him. How do you suffer with Christ? It means you aren't afraid to represent as a son and to be noticed publicly. And it means that you're not afraid to pray for people and do whatever it is that he said to do and whatever it looks like. And I can assure you, if, you'll, if you're spirit-led and you really understand what I'm teaching today and you do what he calls you to do, guess what? You're going to suffer. I'm not talking about suffering with sickness and know this and know that. I'm talking about suffering in being reproached for his name. What happened to you? You became a church, a, you're a little churchgoer now. You're not the same person. You don't go party with this anymore. Even parents that know, don't know Jesus or even spouses say, oh, now you're going to church. You're going to that Rock City church. What's that, that, they roll around on the ground and lift their hands and shout, what's happened to you? Are there any snakes there? Jesus. 
And the enemy works on overtime. But you don't let him hold you back because you're a son. And if you're willing to suffer with him, it says you're an heir with God and joint heir, but it comes with something. If it's ability, I'm not afraid to suffer with him. Because when I suffer with him, I'm glorified with him. And I want to be glorified with him now. Don't you? I want to see you each being glorified with Jesus. I want to see you shining. I mean shining like lights. I mean fired up, excited about what it means to be a son and a daughter. And it's out of that place all the supernatural comes. Every wonderful thing that you want to see comes out of identity of who you are. So don't let yourself fall prey to religious patterns. Understand who you are in Christ. And then be honest with yourself. I'm living in the flesh. I'm governed by my mind. I'm living in the intellect. I've got no peace. I don't have any life. Just be honest with yourself. And let that old you die and then step into sonship. If you've never been born again, make the decision to go all in and make him your Lord. Remember, it's governed. It's government. And he's the governor. The government rests upon his shoulders. Jesus is Lord means I'm going to live his way. And if you're not doing that, be honest with yourself. It starts right here, right now. Because we're going to pray for you. You just have to say, that's me, and I don't want to be that anymore. You don't have any shame. Who cares who's watching? I don't care if you've come up a thousand times. But you get this revelation. You can't just keep coming up to the altar and not grabbing hold of the promises of God and being transformed. And I'm going to teach it, teach it, teach it, teach it, till you can see and understand that when I'm born again and I receive and I believe, suddenly I become a new creation in Christ. All things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Who wants things to become new in your life? Let's all stand. You have been listening to a message from David Vendette, Senior Pastor of Rock City Church in beautiful Corpus Christi, Texas. David's prayer is for a deeper understanding of God's love and purpose for your life and that all of us would grow into a greater awareness of our identity in Christ. Thank you for listening, and until next time, stay fired up.